Well, good morning, everybody. We're really excited you're here, wherever you are. We're excited you're there. Maybe I should say that. We're excited you're there. Uh, last week, we started our new series called What's Next, and thinking about this season that's really an unprecedented time that we've ever faced in our lives. Um, individually, it's so different, too. Like, what I'm going through and what you're going through is different because of our own circumstances and jobs and families and whatnot. And so uh, everyone I've talked to over the last couple of weeks has been... You know, I just kind of want to hear how they're doing, what's their journey like, and everyone's really different. And so to say, like, hey, this is what you should do next is, is not always an easy thing to do. So we're trying to talk through, uh, what is God saying for this next season? And so last week we talked about, um, we want to talk, we talked about alignment. How we want to align our focus, align our hearts, align our mission, and align our direction to the life and love of Jesus. Right? So before Jesus sends, he tells us, okay, don't worry about all this other stuff. Worry about what you can control. And then I'm going to, which verse I'll read in a second. And then he, said, then he ascends up to heaven, and then he, they're looking at the sky like, where is he going? And then the angels show up and say, hey, go back and wait. Right? So Jesus says this in, in Acts 1.8. We read this last week. We've talked about this before. He says, don't worry about all that stuff. But just so you know, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So in the midst of him leaving, he says, don't, don't worry about what you're doing right now. I want you to go and wait, because in a couple days, the Holy Spirit, you're going to receive power, right? We're gonna, you're going to receive this thing called power. And the word, the word that, that's for power there is this word for, it's like dynamo, or it's like dynamite, basically. You're going to receive this extreme amount of power to be my witnesses, to be like, to show Jesus' love and life to the world around him. So 10, year, 10 days later, they're sitting in this place called the upper, upper room, right? And the upper room is, was a place where they had the Last Supper, and it was this place that was probably rented, and they were waiting there because Jesus said, wait. So Jesus ascended. 10 days later, they're sitting up at the upper room, and they're waiting for this power, right? So if we think about the things that, how do we know what is next the first thing is we want to align our life and our heart and our focus to the life of Jesus. And then we want to be empowered, or we want to have alignment, and then we want to have empowerment. So Jesus doesn't tell his disciples to do anything. Okay, don't go out and do anything until you have this thing called empowerment, until you're empowered by the Holy Spirit. I grew up in the 80s and 90s. That's why I am the way I am, so just pray for me. Um, but, you know, I grew up with Mario Brothers, right? 1985, Super Mario Brothers came out for the Nintendo and, and there was this, you're like, what is this thing? It was a side-scrolling game and two buttons, basically. And, and then this weird thing happened that you'd get power-ups, right? And how would you get power-ups? We all know. We'd eat, you'd eat mushrooms and flowers, which is just so weird. What were we teaching our children? But so you, when you're small, you're like, oh, gosh, one hit and I'm dead. I'm not going to make it through. But then that mushroom comes, and you're like, yes, I'm going to make it. But then if you get a flower, then you get a fireball. And so Mario really taught me about empowerment and how, like, you need, you need elements of your life to be empowered. I'm sorry for that visual, but I just love Super Mario Brothers. It's so fun. So the same concept is what's happening. Jesus is like, the way you are right now, you are not going to be able to do the things that I've asked you to do. I've asked you to go as you're going and preach the gospel, show people my love to all nations. He said, I'm going to give you power, and you're going to be a witness, or you're going to be someone that has seen me, and you're going to tell people about me, and, and not just here, but it's going to spread throughout the region and this country and the world. So don't do anything until you receive that mushroom, right? Until <laughs> you receive that empowerment from, from me. Okay, so Acts chapter 2. They're in the upper room. 
It says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, and suddenly, out of nowhere, a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house that they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enables them. Now, what I want you to do now is not click the X and close out what I'm talking about right now. Please don't, okay? See, this topic of the Holy Spirit, for some are just like, yes, finally the Holy Spirit, tongues of fire, right? And those people are strange. So if that's you, just you're, you're a little strange. If you're like, whoa, tongues of fire. Okay, then for other people, they're like, okay, usually at my church we skip this part, you know, we kind of just, we talked about the resurrection and the ascension. Then we're like, then the church. Okay, the church. This is what the church did, right? Maybe you're like, this whole part is weird. Or maybe you've seen things done in the name of the Holy Spirit that have just been strange and out of touch and out of line. And then for that, I'm sorry. It's not the intention. It's not the heart of God for that to happen. So we've all experienced some level of this whole thing. So let's talk a little bit about this, because it's not meant to be weird. It's not meant to be hokey or out there totally, but there is an essence of the Holy Spirit saying that I'm going to give you this thing called power. And power is not like power over everything. I will be the commander of the world, but power over the forces of darkness, power over the things that would try to derail you, and power to be the light and life of Christ around the world. So let's talk about a couple things here. First is this world, this idea of Pentecost. Pentecost is not just this moment. Pentecost was an actual celebration that the Jewish people would celebrate, and it would come 50 days after the Passover. <clears throat> Excuse me. So the Passover would happen, then 50 days later. The Passover was obviously remembering the Passover of the, um, when, when God took the people out of Israel, right? But it was also a, a celebration of harvest. It was the beginning of a certain harvest, and then the, and then the, the Pentecost is the beginning of a, the next harvest. And so what would happen is people would come, Jewish people would come from all over the world and come to Jerusalem to celebrate this feast. They would have a feast, they would celebrate, they'd thank God, they would bring the first fruits of their last harvest to the temple, to the storeroom to be able to take care of whatever's going on there, right? So Pentecost is not like this magical Pentecostal thing. Pentecost literally means 50 days after Passover. And so it's an interesting moment because in this moment, people from all over the known world, because the Israelites were in exile all over the world throughout all the years of, of wars and take, being taken over and whatnot. And now in this moment, everyone is coming from all over the world, speaking different languages, different cultures, but they're still hanging on to the God of Israel. Okay, that's what Pentecost means. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this mighty wind, a violent wind, Scripture says, comes from heaven and it fills the whole, whole house. And we were in the place when I was in Israel that looked that they think was the upper room and had like windows and so it would have like blown through it. It was on a second floor so and it was in this heavily populated area. So if a mighty rushing wind would have flown through that place and blown open the doors, people would have known. See, the, whenever scripture talks about a mighty wind, it's always talking about the breath of God or the spirit of God. So the Spirit of God comes and flows into the place that they were waiting, listening to Jesus. And all of a sudden, this thing, it says this. That's, and this is weird, right? And they saw tongues of fire, what seemed to be tongues of fire, separate. So it means that there was a, a flame from heaven somehow coming down. And then that flame from heaven separated and rested on every person. And they were able to speak in different languages. And we'll talk about what that means in a second. And so... This is an interesting 
description. See, whenever fire would come from heaven, it always represented God's power. See, in the Old Testament, God was, didn't function every place with every person. God's presence functioned and lived with his people. And when Moses was led out of, led the people out of Egypt into the, in, and then into the desert and then into the promised land, God's presence came down as a cloud by day to guide him, guide them, and then a fire by night to guide them where they should go. And then when God brought the law, the, the old covenant, saying, I'm going to make a covenant with my people. I'm going to make my name great among you. I'm going to make you into a great nation. Starting with, starting with Abraham and now into Moses, and he this fire comes down from heaven and rests on Mount Sinai. So if you can somehow picture it, it, might, it probably looked like this in Exodus 19. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. And the smoke billowed up like, it, like a smoke from a furnace, and the whole mountain trembled violently. See, God's presence was like terribly scary. Like, when God, when, when Moses was going to go see God, God's like, I don't, you can't look at me because you'll die because I'm so holy, because I'm so huge. It's so crazy, perfect, and glorifying, and holy that you cannot see me. And so Moses had to see where God had been, and even in that, it made his face radiate, like, gl glow really white. So people were like, what's going on with Moses? He looks weird. And so, in the Old Testament, God's presence came like a fire, and it rested in one place, and rested over the mountain of Mount Sinai, and it would have been this crazy glorious scene. Have you ever seen like a, a big huge, like a forest fire, and you see it, and it's just like red and yellow and fire and smoke everywhere? You're like, wow, that's wild. It would have been like that, and that's where Moses is given the Ten Commandments, and he sets up this, this covenant with Israel, and he leads them now into the Promised Land. There's lots more to that story, obviously. And then God's presence goes from the mountain into what was called the tabernacle. And that's where the Holy of Holies was. That was the holy place of God. And that's where God's presence set. And so God, God, so whenever they took the tabernacle or the Ark of the Covenant, which was inside the tabernacle, inside the Holy of Holies, wherever they went, that's where God's presence was. And so they would take the, 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 the Ark of the Covenant, not the not the um, Indiana Jones one, but a different one. And they would walk, and they would take it into battle because that's God's presence, and they would win battles because of that. So God's presence was then in this case with the Ten Commandments and Moses' staff and a bunch of stuff. Okay, long story. So God's presence goes from this fiery mountain to a fiery pillar that rests on the tabernacle to inside of the Ark of the Covenant, that James, that James Bond, oh my gosh, that... Uh, Indiana Jones I would later find, and then it'd get lost forever. We don't know where it's at. It's in some warehouse somewhere in France, probably. I digress. So God's, God's presence is put into the Ark of the Covenant, and then it gets put into the temple that is built. So in Jesus' day, when people would come to pray, it was all about cleaning up your life so that you would get into the holy place. And no one would go into the holy of holies because God's presence was so powerful and so perfect that only one person a year, the high priest, could go into the holy of holies. And they had to actually tie a rope around his leg because if he was sinful and he went into the holy of holies, he would not live. He would die. Then they have to drag his corpse out of the holy of holies, which is, again, terrifying. 
So why would Luke use this verbiage of tongues of fire? Why would he say, then there was a, this, this fire from heaven came and then it separated and rested on all people? See, there's something that happened when Jesus died in Matthew 27, 51. And it says, as Jesus died, at that moment, the curtain in the temple tore into two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks split. I'm getting somewhere, I promise. So, when Jesus died, the curtain that separated the Holy of Holies to the rest of the temple and to the rest of the world, the place that God's presence slept and left and was there all the time, that curtain split in two. And the separation between God and man was finished. I heard one, one pastor said it this way. It wasn't that now people can come into God's presence. It's that God's presence was unleashed on the world. And that's what's happening at Pentecost. That's what's happening when the Holy Spirit came, is that God that was in one place, that you had to come to him, he sent his son to die so that the presence of God, the power of God, the fire of God, the wind of God, the things that God wants to do in your life could be unleashed. And then Luke says it this way, that fire separated and it rested on every single person. He's saying this, that you do not have to try to be perfect to have my love, to have my presence, to have my power in your life. Jesus did that already. Jesus took care of that. So now all you have to do is accept the power of God in your life. And that's what happened. That the power of God, the fire of God separated and, let, and rested on every person. Saying this, that God's presence is not for a select few. God's presence, his power, his words of love and encouragement is not just for a couple of people that are probably good enough, like me, obviously. Wait, not me. Right? Probably like Moretta and Rachel and Dave and John and Dalton. That's everyone who's here. Um, right? It's not, it's not just for a select few. God was making a statement in this moment. He, Jesus is saying, you just wait. God's power is going to come. See, even Jesus had a finite part of his identity and his, and his presence, right? You had to be with him to experience him. And he says, now it's going to be better. And the tongues of fire went and they rested on every person signifying and showing and filling that God's presence is now with you. That it is sealed and guaranteed in your life that it will never leave you. So I know that the Holy Spirit's made out to be lots of different things. Trust me. The Holy Spirit's a person part of the Trinity, Jesus says that the Holy Spirit will only speak the words that I tell him to. In this time that's so uncertain, in this season where I think God is calling the church to become empowered people that show and share the love of God to everyone around them, we need to be empowered. And just at Pentecost, and not this weird, you're out of control, you're jibber and jabber and whatever it is. The point of this moment was that God's presence is now for everyone and with every person. And the filling of the Holy Spirit, the giving of the Holy Spirit to the person, to each person, is a promise of Jesus' words and presence. See, the thing that I believe the church is missing today is we have come to gather to listen to a person who hears from God, hopefully. And that's biblical, and we'll talk about that next week. Right? 
but then we are kind of waiting till the next time for the person that hears from God to give me the thing I need for the next time. And there's lots of ways to do it in teaching and whatnot. But the point of Pentecost, the point of this moment, the reason why Jesus said, wait, because you will receive power, was that so that you can be empowered in your life, whether you've been a follower of Jesus one day or 50 years, whether you understand the Bible or you've read it or not. The early church didn't have the Bible. That's why Jesus didn't say, you'll receive power and then you can go teach the Bible to everyone. No, he said, you'll be my witnesses because you are the ones who saw what I did and experienced the resurrection and knew that I'm alive. So you're going to be my witnesses to the world. And that, and he said, but wait, you're going to receive the Holy Spirit and that will empower you to be a witness to Christ. So you and I are watching today or experiencing this today because we've experienced God in a real way. That we know that even in the midst of our struggle, that even in the midst of the turmoil of this world, that there is purpose and there is a future for us. That God's presence is with us. That I do not have to feel alone. While I might because I like to be with people too and God wants that. We'll talk about that next week. Cliffhanger. But the purpose of this time for you and for me is to really start to realize that I'm not alone in this world. I'm not alone in learning how to be like Jesus. That his spirit lives inside of me. And even Jesus said, it's going to be better that I go for all of you. And he would say that to you today. You might be afraid of what the Holy Spirit is or who he is. Is it a mystical thing? You might have experienced weird things. Oh man, you buy me coffee when this is all done. We'll t- I'll tell you lots of weird things that I've experienced that weren't necessarily the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit, Luke has given this beautiful picture. I know it freaks you out. He's saying, listen, and, and, for, the, and for the Jews of the early church, the tongues that, or the, the fire that came and rested on every person would have been this beautiful picture of God's presence is not there that I have to go to, that I have to pursue, that I have to go make sure I'm good enough to come into his presence. He's like, no, 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 God's presence rests in here. God's presence is with me. Paul says it this way. He says, do you not know that your bodies are now temples of the Holy Spirit? who is in you, whom you receive from God, you are not your own anymore. You were bought with the price, the price of Jesus' blood on the cross. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. What the world needs is not great big churches, though that is sometimes helpful. What the world needs is people who have aligned our lives to the life of Jesus, the mission of Jesus, and that are empowered by his spirit, that realize that all the confusion in this world is not for me because I am, the spirit of God is housed in me, that I am the new temple, that I don't have to go to a place to experience God, but I can experience God because he lives with me. That's why when Jesus says, abide with me, and we make it really hard, it's like, oh, i got to go someplace and do something and read something, and that's all fine, do those things. But he's like, abide me. He's basically saying, you are with me, just recognize I'm there. Be with me now. So what happens when we have this? If you're a follower of Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit in you. right? It's not this extra thing, you, ritual you have to go through to like make sure that you're good enough. right? Holy Spirit's in you. 
And so what, is, what does that mean for your life now? What does that mean as, you go, as we kind of go back to some normal things in life or we go back to a little bit less quarantine life? Is that you get to walk around with two things all the time. You get to walk around with the gifts of the Spirit, which are Jesus' ministry to the world. So whenever you read Jesus' ministry of healing and giving wisdom and encouragement and bringing the little children and loving them and feeding people and honoring women and honoring those that no one else honored, that's the ministry of Jesus, and that lives and abides in you. It's the gifts of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit are not meant to be the spectacle of the holy man. The gifts of the Spirit are the ministry of Jesus to the world that abides in you at all times. And you don't have to check off the list. Okay, look how great I did. I did them all. No, God will give them to you as you need them. But all you have to do is ask. 1 Corinthians 12, go ahead and read it. So you get the ministry of Jesus. If you don't know what to say, the Spirit of God will give you what to say. Those are things like wisdom and knowledge and faith and healing and discernment of what's going on. Those sound like pretty profound things that we would need right now. Sounds like pretty important things that we would need for the external part, to minister to the world around us. So you have the gifts of the Spirit, which is just the ministry of God, the ministry that Jesus did. He just said, okay, I'm going to give it to you in the Spirit, and now you can have those things to access as you need them. Then he says, you also get this thing called the fruit of the Spirit, which we talk about a lot. Things like love and joy and peace and patience and goodness, and gentleness, and faithfulness, and self-control. Man, now more than ever, I need those things. My, my fuse gets shorter every day, I think, in quarantine. And I'm like, Lord, make that fuse like a mile long. And what am I asking? I'm saying, Lord, give me the fruit of your Holy Spirit. That's the heart of Jesus. See, Jesus was all loving, all joyful, all kind, all good, all gentle, all faithful, and had all self-control. And so you don't have to try to like pray and hope that somehow you can find self-control or gentleness somewhere. The Spirit of God lives inside of you and his gifts and his fruit are inside of you. You have to ask him to allow it to, to fulfill and fill your space. So we think about aligning our life to Jesus. I'm, gonna fo- I'm not going to focus on what I can't control. When's this going to end? When can I go back to work? When can normal things happen? When can we meet again? I can't control any of that, but what I can control and focus on is my heart and my attitude and the way I see other people. And Jesus says, now go focus on that because the Spirit's going to come and help you with the gifts. That's his heart and his ministry and, this, and the fruit of the Spirit that helps us in the midst of the chaos find rest. Because you and I right now need rest. We need peace. We need joy. We need hope. And this is what God gives through his spirit. So this is what, he, this is what happens. So this crazy thing happened. And then, he, then it goes from what's happening in the house to what's happening outside the house. It says, Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. Okay, so he said, Jesus said, just so you know, you're going to receive power and you're going to be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. And so... He's already fulfilling this thing he said. And when they all heard the sound, the crowd came running together in bewilderment, which is a great word, bewilderment, because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly they amazed, they asked this. Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Basically, aren't these guys just from here? In the... In the <laughs> 
And the disciples were not educated men. Maybe one was, maybe Matthew. They were mostly not very smart. They were fishermen. They, got, they were rejects. They're like, wait, aren't these guys, what are they saying? Aren't these guys just like some dumb Galileans? Utterly they amazed. Aren't these guys Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? And then it'll list in the, in the verses like all the languages that they were speaking. And we hear them, this is huge, catch this. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues, in our own words. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Every nation under heaven. And they heard God's wonders in their own way, in their own words. See, the Holy Spirit's job, sometimes he does give us the ability to speak other languages. I have a friend in the Ukraine, and she, got, she, got, she accepted Jesus. She asked God to fill her with the Holy Spirit, and God gave her the English language in like two weeks. In two weeks, she learned the English, English language, which is amazing. I'll give you her number. You can call her and ask her about it. Right? Something that happens for sure. But, what, but in a broader sense in our life today, the Holy Spirit is going to give us the ability to speak to people the way they need to hear it, the way they need to hear from God, the way they need to experience God's love. The Holy Spirit will, has rested on us so that we can speak to people who are far from him, that need to know him. And that's what the Holy Spirit's work in our life can do. We get his ministry and his heart. So then they think everyone's drunk. They're like, these guys are just drunk. Go read it. It's funny. These guys are just drunk. And then Peter stands up. He's like, no, it is only nine in the morning. We are not. They are not drunk. That would be strange. Right? And then Peter the same person that 45 days ago, 42 days ago, denied Jesus to his face three times. The same Peter that kept screwing up over and over again, and Jesus had to, had to correct and had to redirect and then had to redirect again, had to correct again. You know, like guys like me who just don't get it. Right? The same Peter, now filled with the Holy Spirit, gets up. And he says, and he, and he quotes the prophet Joel. He talks about that this Jesus that you killed, some of you, was the Messiah and is the Lord. And he gives this great message relating to from the Old Testament prophets to now this is a new day, a new covenant, a new experience. And he was speaking in the way they understood because the Spirit of God gives him and gives us the, the words that we need when we need it to share the life and ministry of Jesus to the world around us. And he speaks with power and authority. The same guy who was like getting mad at Jesus 10, day, 10 days earlier because Jesus kept asking him, do you love me? Well, yeah, of course I do. Come on. What was the difference? It was that Peter recognized that the Holy Spirit's work in his life was doing something profound. And this is how I'll close, and you guys can come up. Peter emboldened and empowered. Peter now filled with the Holy Spirit, which is the words and life of Jesus, does this message, and when the people heard this, verse 37, they were cut to the heart. And to Peter and the others, they said, brothers, what should we do? Brothers, what should we do? 
See, I think what's next is for us as followers of Jesus. Not just to think that I have to come and just hear from one person about who God is, but I can experience God for myself. And for some of you who have been a follower of Jesus a long time, this is what's happened in your life. Your your life is like the storehouse of knowledge and good things that God has done and so much gold and treasure. And it's just been storing in the storehouse. And I believe what's next, that there's going to be people that are hungry to hear about what it means to have hope in uncertain times, what it means to go through struggles and to come out the other side. And you have this treasure inside, but because you're afraid, we don't feel qualified, or because someone someday said you can't do anything unless you go to Bible school or something like that, that is keeping you from unleashing the treasure of the people around you. Or maybe you think you've blown it too much. You don't know what's in here. See, I know what is in there. Paul says that you're body, yourself is a temple of God's spirit, of his love. And you might think you're defined by those things. But when God looks at you, he's like, that's where I dwell. That's where I live. That is my boy. That is my girl. That is my child. And on the other side of this, my prayer for you is that you would come out of this empowered by God's spirit in your life. That you would see the the things that God has given you as, as tools to be able to speak so that people can understand who God is, to share, to show the love of Jesus because his spirit rests in you. His ministry, everything he did rests in you. Every fruit of his spirit. If you right now are just in so much confusion, if you are hurting, if your heart is broken, if you are just dreading what Monday looks like because of what your world is, if you have no idea what tomorrow brings, the Holy Spirit can give you the love and the joy and the peace that you need today. So we're going to sing this and we're going to close. But I just want to pray for you as we sing this. This is what I want you to pray. It's real simple. If you don't know Christ, all you have to do is say, Jesus, I want to know you. There it is. Come into my life. But that's what I want you to pray if you've already done that. I want you to ask, Lord Jesus, would you fill me? Would you overflow, just like that mighty rushing wind that came through and filled the place, would you do that in my heart? Because I don't want to live as small Mario. I want to live empowered empowered by you. I want to realize that I'm not just a bystander and waiting for heaven, but I'm someone who is commissioned, aligned, and empowered by God to be Jesus's light and life to people around us on phone calls and Zoom calls and whatever else you're talking to people with masks on across the road or whatever. I want to externally experience God more and experience his life and love to other people. And then internally, God, the fruit of the Spirit fill me to overflowing like a mighty wind rush through me. So this is what I would ask you to pray. Lord, fill me. That's it. Lord, fill me. And then sing this. Fill me with your Spirit. The Spirit's not going to take over your body. It's not going to do anything weird. It's not going to do anything that you don't want it to do because the Holy Spirit works and moves. It's Jesus' heart for you. So allow him and pray, God, fill me again. Your ministry, the way you love people.
God, your fruit, the way I want to experience you, the way I want to feel right now. So as we sing this, Lord Jesus, we pray, every person that's listening here, pray, pray, fill me with your spirit to overflowing in Jesus' name.